0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Live episode two hundred and twenty-two. Which, in fact, I just noticed looking at my calendar, it's also the twenty-second of May, twenty twenty-two. So we have a lot of fucking twos going on in here. Uh, we're we're really twoed out, uh, which is great to see because you know, I, as you know, uh, everyone loves a palindrome. Uh, as I think we always talk about every time there is a episode that's a palindrome. It's like, oh well, my name's a palindrome. Um, but there you go. That's that's we where go. we're at at the moment. We're in the. We're just in the twos. We're swimming in twos. Love it. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a video game review that's a two out of ten. You know, like sometimes you'll get those one out of ten reviews, like when Alex Navarro reviewed like terrible games on Gamespot back in the day. There'd be a bunch of like, like Big Rig's is the famous one where I think it got a Mm. one out of ten. But like a two out of ten, like how do you decide what a two out of ten video game is? Because if it's that bad,
1: a lot of two out of fives when it's a five. That's true.
0: Yeah, five point scale is much easier though to get a two on versus a ten point scale where getting a two out of ten. i don't i don't know that i'm sure there are two out of ten reviews out there um i'd love to know like what makes a two out of ten review. i
1: don't think i've really ever played at least to completion a two out of ten game
0: no i don't think so Um, life's too
1: short and there's too many good games at this point in time now that everything i'm playing is like at least a seven
0: yeah totally um you know and sometimes if, if something is below that it'll be just out of curiosity on my part anyway hmm. um and, yeah. and won't necessarily finish it or go- like like i was talking about with Ra- the rayman advance saga bally is that i stopped playing rayman advance because oh. life, life's too short Brutal. basically Brutal. <laughs> i don't think i would give rayman advance a two out of ten i'd give it probably like a four or something but um yeah it's not it wasn't great and i was like not having a great time so i'm like why am i playing this anymore i, sh- I could play something else on the trade.
1: is that the first amber game that you delved into and then
0: completely rejected no definitely not i mean like, like i think part of this system's joy is that you have like millions of things at your fingertips so you can just jump in and play anything like you know i've been playing warrior wear on the train recently actually which is really good fun like that's a great train game the original the gba one and um you know i haven't finished it or anything and maybe i won't go back and finish it again but i've already finished that game but that
1: original warrior Bear is really really good it's, it's so, good. so good It's so good
0: yeah and it's actually pretty challenging as well like there are some of those stages where i wasn't even finishing them first time like i was having to go doing multiple shots at like i think it was monas monas was really difficult uh, It was taking me a lot of a lot of tries to get through but um anyway hello hi we're here it's a podcast about video games and we've always sort of prematurely started talking about video games but let's do the introduction stuff first uh, i'm talking about bali as always bali how's it going for you
1: it's going good. There's just a lot of games coming out and just little smaller games as part of this indie world that I actually picked up and played that I'm going yeah. to talk about and I'm excited about those. So yeah, just smaller
0: stuff. It's uh, going to be a very indie heavy episode, I would say, in terms of the stuff we've it been is. playing, which is great. Uh, we always love doing that and shout and out smaller stuff, which is uh, exciting times. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about that stuff uh, and uh, some other things as well. Bally, do you want to let the fine folks at home know
1: what today's show will? In, in so case... we've got a two segment show this time first segment we're going to talk about the indie world presentation and then alongside that we're going to talk about some of the games that we have been playing and then for the second segment it is the return of the jukebox oh boy Uh, i will be testing nbz on on five songs from games that are on nintendo systems that nbz has played and he has to guess the song
0: absolutely uh so looking forward to that uh been a little while since we've done it so uh you know gonna shake out the rust i think last time i was a bit mean to bally because he was mean to me the time before <laughs> so i don't know what's gonna happen is it gonna roll back around to being nice to me i don't Very know nice. um who nice. knows we'll have to find out but let's kick things off um there was not any world showcase uh, and it's been uh, probably a little while by the time you hear this since it happened um but uh you know sometimes nintendo just don't like our recording schedule and decide to put it out at inconvenient moments um but i thought we'd just have a brief brief beef chat about it um and uh and talk about what we thought uh generally Valley, what are your thoughts on this this presentation
1: i think generally people everyone's always expecting too much and i Mm -hmm. think that in reality it's better to have more frequent indie worlds that don't always have this crazy big banger than it is to always expect a banger and i i prefer that because so i think do we get like four a year three or four a year potentially like I, i i like that we get them quite often and by having them quite often there's not always something huge that nintendo can show off and i respect that you know like i think yeah it's there's a ton of smaller stuff that they want to talk about and i'm happy that there are indie worlds that they put out there that you know just have a lot more smaller announcements and there's still some pretty big announcements in here in my opinion and certainly to our gaming tastes so i really liked it i think it's not a it's not a it's not a two out of ten, but it's also not a ten out of ten. You know, uh-huh, it's just like yeah. somewhere in the middle, and that's <laughs> yes. cool. I, I don't, I don't need my Silk Song and my Sport Story every
0: time. Like, it's fine. It's good. Yeah, and you know, as we've mentioned before, Silk Song is, has ascended to godhood so clearly that it's never going to be part of an indie world. Like anyone yeah. who's shouting about Silk Song in an indie world isn't paying attention to to, to what that game's actual status is, uh, which is the, like the one thing
1: I will criticize them for is that uh at the very start of the indie world they said and we look forward to showing games developed in places like including australia and then immediately australia fills two slots it's both team cherry for silk song uh-huh. but it's also a sports story with sidebar games so i was like yeah. oh man and then obviously in the indie world, those games turned up so yeah. i didn't like that they dangled the carrot with the we got an australian game and then the anyway
0: yeah i mean this we always talk about this but but this is what happens with uh indie worlds at this point is that you now have famous indie games that have sequels and like with all major presentations the only things people ever ask for are things that they know right which is like give me the sequel to this thing that i like already because no one's asking for give me something i've never heard of because you don't know what you haven't heard of before right Um, and it tends to be the case i think that nintendo would like to focus on things that people haven't heard of so that they can make this next uh golf story or the next hollow night right become a, a big deal and people pay attention to so um yeah i think that's always going to be the case and people are always going to be disappointed by it but um yeah any any uh games here that stand out to you straight away that you want to chat about oh
1: the absolute number one has to be gumbrella which yes just looks great it's the developer from Gata Roboto. i've forgotten the name yeah they're called
0: doinksoft, doinksoft. um Sof. i believe uh, devolver published them this is one of the weird things about the trailer is it said like from the uh, developer of Gata Roboto and then from the publisher of omnibus and i was like well like devolver have published like so many famous games like hotline miami like inscription like what the fuck is omnibus i went to steam to look it up and it's this like weird kind of like vehicle game that did really poorly like number of reviews is extremely low i'm like this is a really weird choice for this trailer why are you gonna put the div- publisher of this random game that isn't even on switch that nobody's hurt like i'm trying to think of what is the link here why mm. is omnibus the game that you like surely inscri- putting inscription in there makes a lot more sense or something like that but um i don't know what the choice is their devolver are weird sometimes so whatever i don't know very weird um
1: but but Gumb- Gumbrella just seems like, you know, that fast act- 2D action that, you know, Gatroboto had. But it's not clear whether it's, like, level-based or Metroidvania or something in between. But it's, what's clear is that it's, like, you know, 2D platforming with an umbrella that can, like, grind down rails and obviously shoot because it's a gun as well as an umbrella. And that's just a great idea. And mm-hmm. it's got, like, a slightly darker tone that is a lot like browns and grays and and like in its pixel art style and it just has a lot of great vibes going on and hopefully like an interesting kind of weird quirky story and i'm very excited for it but i guess the downside is like 2023 does feel like a long time away Mm -hmm. but who knows when could be the start of 2023
0: you know who knows yeah uh, with so that stuff and i think, think, think Gatto roboto came out what in a couple of years ago maybe 2018 or something like that with gato roboto so it's probably been they've probably been working on it for a, a good mm. long while now um which means i think it's relatively imminent but who knows with independent teams it often takes a little while um yeah for, for me this is a, a the strongest standout of the show uh absolutely uh very very excited for it. i think this is this is what we in the business call a game with a very strong hook um a hook being something <laughs> that is um, uh, that is like very easily identifiable as this kind of new thing that's going to get you in the door and this this idea of this gun that's also an umbrella that you use for platforming as well as combat stuff is a strong strong hook it's like the, the two kind of terms you have a hook and anchor right and an anchor is something that you know that is familiar it's like oh it's a side scrolling action game so like i am inherently interested in those and the hook of the game is that it's doing like portal is a great example of a hook right of like uh you shoot this uh, thing and it opens up to another one like in instantly understandable instantly recognizable but different and new from something you've seen before so this is a and uh, and
1: do you think it's more level based or metroidvania
0: i I, they didn't say the word metroidvania in there um i they're, they're kind of talking about it as more of an action game so my thought is you know the interesting thing i actually went to the steam page to look up the tags to see if that gave an indication of genre and it said action roguelite which uh no. so no, didn't, maybe didn't get that sense yeah i didn't get that sense from the trailer at all so i don't know if it will have the the roguelike stuff in it or maybe they're just yeah. using that tag just for visibility purposes because you know. you know,
1: i'm actually up for either style because i don't know games like mark of the ninja or um what's the other what's the samurai game the oh uh, katana zero katana zero like they're both very level based and i thought they were both fantastic games so like yeah you can often have like a very specifically designed level if you want to do it level based but equally metroidvania could work for that type of game as well very, yeah very and you know distinct.
0: they have experience doing that with Gatto roboto so it would make sense if it was that mm. um but uh in any case yeah that's easily the number one i think for both of us from this presentation um but as we said a uh, little bit of a shame that it's it's a bit far out because i think in a lot of these indie presentations the expectation is either oh it's coming out in a couple of weeks or it's going to be like a sh- shadow drop and it's there on the day uh, and it came out right then and there but uh, that that wasn't the case here but that's that's totally fine um I would like to talk about Elekhead uh, which is the other one that really stood out to me uh, a game that I've actually had my eye on for quite a long time it came out on Steam last year um, and uh, Shuhei Yoshida was actually tweeting about this game last year he was like hey I'm, I'm playing this game Elekhead it's real cool um, and uh, I was thinking oh I wonder if because Shuhei's doing a lot of indie work on the PlayStation side whether he would have talked to the developer and obviously like the developer is Japanese so it makes a lot more sense uh, I, w- I wondered if like, that would be a PlayStation initiative but it seems like Nintendo Nintendo got to him first and we're like, hey, uh we're Nintendo, we make platformers, you also made a cool one, so let's let's do it. Um and I, I really just like the again, a game with a a really great hook, which is, you know, you you're this kind of uh robot character who can create Uh, electricity or like causes electricity by touching panels or uh, the sides of areas or walls or those types of things and using them to puzzle platform your way through um, which is awesome and the idea that you take your head off and you only have 10 seconds to get back to it so you can kind of throw it into some area and then do a puzzle and there's almost a timing based element to it Um, really really like that and it seems like it's a kind of short sweet little experience that i think would be perfect for switch because that's you know it's one of those things where these these small platformers come out on uh steam all the time and uh they they don't necessarily do that well but switch is a much better home for it and lekhead seems to be uh, a perfect one there so um uh, yeah very very excited for that and that is coming out summer of this year so it'll be uh at, at some point um, i'm sure dropping you know probably around june july sometime uh, on the eShop. uh yeah excited for that one um bally what about yourself
1: uh, i thought wild frost looked quite cool um for two reasons alone, alone to be honest. Uh, A, develop, uh, published by Chucklefish. Mm-hmm. But B it looks like a cool you know deck builder and like a chucklefish deck builder is something that i think would very much be our jam and it's coming winter this year
0: yeah uh i i kind of had this one flew over my head when i was watching the presentation i think maybe it came after something maybe it was straight after gumbrella or or whatever and i was like looking at twitter or something like that but i went back and looked at it and the the art style is very very nice of course you'd expect from chucklefish to choose developers with like very crisp pixel art aesthetics um, and that's certainly what we're getting here and you know i've i've enjoyed many a deck builder um really like steamworld quest uh slay the spire is obviously just one of the best games ever made uh monster train is fantastic like i've played quite a few of these style of games at this point point, um, so seeing whatever they bring to it if they bring a new twist or something along those lines uh definitely interested to see see how that does um and and yeah i i think none of these other ones like stood out to me in a big way of like i love this and i need to have it but um i was curious about another crab's treasure um this this team Agro crab uh funnily that you know, obviously they the developer is named after a crab and they've only just their second game is is about crabs their first game is going under which was a roguelike where you kind of like um it's like a kind of 3d action roguelike where you i believe go into the basement of uh, an office and you keep going down the floors or something like that like into the depths of it essentially um and i've had it on steam for a while but i haven't haven't played it yet but um this is basically a dark souls style uh, adventure where you're a crab um and it seems very uh, adorable and cute and i think it has a nice aesthetic to it and a nice kind of like there's this comedic twist on the souls like formula i think is happening at this point where you know we've seen the imitators we've seen people take serious inspiration and now we're kind of going out the other side where people are just making uh games that mm. you know almost not make fun of it in a way but are like hey we can have a souls like but also make it a little goofy and out there and um you know take those mechanical ideas and give them a bit more of a uh a, a, a bright bouncy feel if you know what i mean so yeah yeah curious about that as well
1: i wanted to come in and say i think silt looks quite interesting okay it's cool. almost like this i compared games like almost like an inside but also like a grease where it's just kind of like this dark i mean you you're, you're playing as like a scuba diver in this like 2d setting and it's just this eerie i think oh, i believe it. the whole game is like hand drawn as well which is very greece um relevant and yeah I just, just think it looks very nice and it's coming out june i think which
0: is quite yeah soon. yeah very limbo uh as well yeah. yeah there's there's a lot of um kind of black and white games out there i guess gato roboto is one of those too. uh stuff like downfall you know lots of uh, or Downwell, sorry um lots of games uh like that minute also um so yeah always a fan of a kind of black and white aesthetic mm. um but uh, but bali you uh if there's nothing else you want to uh, point out here you actually no. picked up two of the games yes. from this presentation which were in fact shadow drops that came yeah. out um so uh why don't we get into talking about the video games uh, transition with uh, those games that you picked up and have been playing
1: so yeah given beyond the the trees uh i saw this first on twitter in like this little trailer earlier in the year and yeah. it actually came to apple arcade in february and i thought that must come to like switch at some point so yeah i picked up gibbing beyond the trees on switch that was shadow dropped as you say uh just at this presentation and it's a very short one and a half hour experience like 10 shortish chapters and this game is very much on like a political mission and that mission is to make you aware of deforestation, particularly in like Southeast Asia and the destruction of uh, Gibbon's homes. And that is basically the aim of the game. So you think, right, okay, but how are they going to do that in a video game context? And so you start off by learning how to swing and I can get, to, I can get into the controls in, in a second. But then each chapter kind of takes you through like different ways in which uh, humans are, you know, ruining the uh, the the habitats of these gibbons so like initially it's like deforestation and then there's i think one of them is like turning it into mines and then i think there's some oil and and then there's just like the general you know building of cities in and amongst their homes and i think this game does a decent job of blending like what it's trying to say with its video game mechanics and what i mean by that is the first few chapters you're like in the middle of the rainforest and things feel good the swinging feels good and uh and i should say the way that you can try it's only a two-button game which feels very strange it almost feels a bit like an oversimplified ollie ollie in some sort of weird way where you're using the right shoulder trigger to climb up and then whenever you fall you can like grind on essentially branches using the left shoulder trigger and it's about kind of keeping momentum Uh, you can also do like little backflips when you release and that will also increase your momentum when you then hook back onto another branch and that's it you've got your backflip you've got climbing up and you've got grinding down and you just hold like the climbing up button and the gibbon will naturally just sort of climb up in almost like a 45 degree angle off to the right of the screen and that's it that's all you have to do Mm. and it is very easy to just kind of Miss a branch and fall, or not have enough momentum to, momentum to reach the next branch, and that's where I think the game's quite clever. Where you realise that at, through the later levels, where there's been large aspects of deforestation, you feel a lot less safe, you feel a lot less secure. And then that I do think it's the game kind of telling you, yeah, that's because that mankind has destroyed all these trees, and now you feel unsafe as a gibbon. And it's actually demonstrating that aspect through mechanics, which I think is like a neat little twist right
0: that that whole idea of it's much easier when you have all the trees to swing between and then suddenly they start disappearing and all of a sudden they get it just you you can kind of feel that struggle you can feel that anxiety and i think that's
1: actually done really
0: nicely i don't think the game is mechanically
1: incredible like okay i think what the game does well is it's nice storytelling and i think it's just visually a very pretty game like the rainforest look really cool i think the mechanics work well for what they're going for uh, I will say that the game, some of the later levels where there's a lot more hustle and bustle, uh, doesn't run as well as you, you might hope on a Switch, especially right. seeing as it launched on Apple Arcade. It seems like it really runs better on iOS systems and like iPads and all that. So that's a bit of a shame. It'd be nice if just more games like this could run a bit better on Switch. Um but i i mean i think i paid quite a lot of money i think it's like $8. it had a launch discount though didn't it i think it's 11 pounds and the, with the launch discount it's eight pounds and then with my um you know Gold switch points. credit i brought it yeah. down to like six pounds um so I, six pounds for like a solid hour and a half kind of story driven experience i i really enjoyed it i think it's a really like i i really enjoyed the message that it was kind of like making me aware of mm. and um, i like that i was trying to look up like i th- I believe the game or the, the developers are linked to like a couple of charities but i couldn't find exactly how and who they're linked to and how that process like with development kind of worked so i right. would be interested to find out more about that but like it's definitely if you want that short i just want to play a game and experience it and come away with a nice feeling i mean i say nice feeling it's a pretty depressing game i think the game yeah, doesn't hold yeah. back in getting its message across which is uh, humans are bad and they're destroying gibbons and you need to be aware of this and they're not scared to have burning forest fires that you can quite easily by accident your gibbon can fall into and your gibbon will die a horrible flame ridden death it's like the tomb raider thing with Lara Croft, just like the yeah. kind
0: of gore porn aspect of it yeah. Porn, yeah. yeah
1: um which is yeah i mean it makes you stop and think it's not just like where it's just, it's not just a happy clappy game celebrating gibbons swimming swinging through trees. It's a lot darker than that, and you just have to be aware of that going in because it sure. is it's pretty upsetting at points. Um, but I, yeah. I really love the game. I think it's, I love it when a game does something very specific, very short, and very political. And I really like that about this game. And I again, I love it when mechanics are blended with a message. Mm-hmm. And I think this Absolutely. game does that in a neat, a neat little way. Although i'll be honest play it on your iphone rather than switch i think it'll run better there holy totally. got...
0: is that the first time bally has advocated for playing on your phone over <laughs> an actual console funnily uh, enough
1: both games i'm talking about in this little bit uh both originally launched on um, apple arcade it's
0: uh, funny that isn't it it does seem like switch becomes the de facto platform after it's been a while you know like hmm. what the golf was a great example of that of like it has been on apple arcade same with um uh, grindstone that i love like one of my favorite games on switch and that was an apple arcade exclusive for the longest time so mm. um i do think that it's a good platform though as you've mentioned at this point iphones are more powerful than the switch and so i think a lot of stuff that runs really nicely on there sometimes has a little bit of uh, an issue uh, yeah. on switch or well, yeah. even though it's not terrible but you know it, right. it's not going to be as as smooth an experience um, yeah unfortunately at the moment so. But yeah,
1: that's Gibbon Beyond the Trees. Would highly recommend, although some of those levels don't run the best. And when I say it doesn't run the best, I often just put on like my MBZ hat. I'm not often <laughs> speaking with my hat because these things very rarely bother me at all. And I yeah. thought the game was totally playable, but I knew that if MBZ played this, he'd be like, oh, wh- what is this frame rate? What is it doing? Oh my God, I- I'm I'm going to puke this frame I can't cope, you know, that kind of attitude. So I'm just kind of putting my MBZ hat on. I'm sure there's people at home with an MBZ hat when it comes to these frame rates and things. So just making people aware.
0: Ooh, yeah. Uh, for yeah. sure for
1: sure so the other game uh that shadow dropped and originally launched on apple arcade although i think this was like a, at least a year or two ago um is the sequel to that tube game it's um mini motorways uh and this game runs a lot better than uh given beyond the tree so like this game runs incredibly smoothly on switch and that's the weird thing about the switch where there's some games that just are really well optimized and run really well and there's other games that just need that little bit more fine tuning and just don't mm-hmm. run quite as well but um mini motorway i I wasn't really aware of this game but i just saw it in the in the indie showcase i was like, I, I want to play that game i need to play that game and it's like a very kind of sim city style mini systems driven kind of game so you are you're con- essentially all you're doing is connecting factories to houses and you're building the roads and motorways to link those houses and that's it you're, and more factories and more houses keep appearing and you have to keep linking them and everything starts out, you know, slow and gradual and you're, then you're adding in like bridges and roundabouts and traffic lights. But then eventually the demand for the number of houses and number of cars that are trying to get to these factories becomes so high that you have to build your infrastructure of road networks much more efficiently to stop um, essentially if it takes too long for certain cars to get to a factory a timer will start and you'll almost be given like this countdown but like represented by like this red pie that gradually grows and gets closer to filling up and when it fills up it's the end of the
0: level and it's basically like a high score game so you're kind of just trying to get the highest as possible and, and and does once you kind of hit a score does it let you move on to the next level does it gate you in any way or is it just kind of you know? yeah
1: you have to reach a certain score to unlock the next city and what's quite fun is that all these places are based on real cities and oh, nice. they, they represent those with like where the rivers and the sea and maybe like a forest or mountains are in like real life which is quite cool like Zurich and Los Angeles and Dar es Salaam and all these like cities around the world um and it, I should say it's like a very minimalist art style like it's really kind of just a white background and you've got different colored houses and different colored factories and that's about it. it is very minimal- minimalist and that, maybe that's another reason why it runs quite smoothly on Switch um, and yeah it's very much just a high school game and I feel like I had the itch scratched quite quickly on top of the fact that I knew that Caroline would really like this game like she's very into like There's almost like a very simplified two-point hospital or something. It's like that kind of game she's really into. And she has just completely gone to town with this game. She really loves it. I cannot beat a single one of her high scores. Like she has a high score in every single one of the cities we've unlocked. (laughs) And I cannot beat any of her scores. (laughs) Um, And it's just a very satisfying game. It's just something that both this and uh, Gibbon Beyond the Trees were just kind of these little small games that really appealed to me and the fact they shadow dropped and I had like this little window where I wanted to play something new on Switch like it all just kind of uh synced up at just the right time and yeah I'm really gl- I'm really glad to play Mini motorways um it's, it's if it's that if that's your kind of game this is a very good one it's very simple mm-hmm. I think even if this isn't your kind of genre I think it's a very simple enough concept where you can pick it up and it's got like daily as well as weekly challenges and stuff so right. there's definitely a lot of content there if you're worried that there's not enough levels so yeah it's it's a cool little game i think i spent like maybe 10 11 pounds on this one so a little bit more money but still on the cheaper end so yeah mini mini motorways i'd highly
0: recommend does it have any um touchscreen support you know in handheld oh good Uh. question i've not even
1: tried uh i imagine it does but i've not tried it okay
0: yeah because it seems like the way that i've seen this portrayed you are kind of creating these roads with your own kind of like curves and like bends to them and everything like there's there's a real manipulation yeah
1: you want to be as efficient as you can with the curves because you have a very limited amount of roads right um and yeah you don't want your roads to be you want them to be bendy enough where it's efficient but not so bendy that you're making a very clunky road that's going to get clogged
0: yeah i mean that animation seems very like elastic in a way that would seem fun to do on a touch-based device right oh that
1: yeah there's some like um, so you can like make a massive motorway from point A to b and you can just like pull back the um, the motorway and like let go and'll it'll, it'll spring like an elastic rubber oh, band love it's just a very um unimportant needless animation but it's very fun that it's there kind of thing yeah and it's
0: that kind of polished thing that just yeah. adds the texture and feel to the game yeah um, it's a
1: very clean,
0: crisp polished game and it's nice that it runs so well on switch i don't know if uh, mini metro came out on switch the original game it must be uh... good
1: question i don't know either yeah
0: yeah but but it's really cool that they've kind of taken that idea and just applied it in a slightly different way and Mm. you can see them doing this with like i don't know mini airport or like other kind of like uh motor or transport adjacent uh things to kind of continue the series yeah
1: yeah There actually was um that was a phone game years and years ago that was like airport based and it was all about controlling flight paths to make sure you could and there's a similar idea where you're trying you're controlling flight paths to get as many planes to land and take off as in your airport as possible and then it's like a high school game it's very it's very phone game um based that like idea and but this is one that works really nicely
0: yeah um yeah i mean there's there's one 3ds game that i still need to pick up which is aeroporter which is one of the guilds uh series games um and that is about sorting luggage in an airport so mm. uh yeah i'll probably be playing that at some point in the future and talking about it but um Anyway, uh, yeah, really good to, to hear uh, that those games uh, worked out, and uh, nice to see, obviously, uh, with every indie world, there's always going to be some sort of shadow drops, whether it's demos or full games, but um, yeah, it seems like uh, those, those are good ones for people to check out, which is nice to see. Um, now let's go back to the past. Let's, uh, let's uh, find uh, some old video games to talk about, because uh, that's what I have been playing a little bit of. I have finally, because um, this has been kind of a long-term project for me, is, is playing through uh, Illusion of Gaia, um, I finally finished that game so if you don't know what Illusion of Gaia is last year on the show I talked about Soul Blazer um, and Soul Blazer uh, was a game from Quintet Quintet uh, being kind of a developer back in the Super Nintendo days who made um, lots of kind of action RPG style games and they are in particular well known for actraiser actraiser is a weird blend of kind of top down city management and side scrolling action game uh, and a lot of people love actraiser and they actually remade actraiser i think recently uh with a remake that i wasn't a big fan of the art style of but uh, seems like it, it's done okay um and uh, and yeah it's been uh, obviously something that i've been very interested in a while because people talk about their kind of post actraiser games um which is soulblazer Illusion of Gaia and Terranigma as this kind of pseudo trilogy right they're kind of like this pseudo- action rpg trilogy on the super nintendo um, and my goal has been to kind of play through all three of them um, and so i, I play, finished Soul Blazer last year uh, and now uh, I have played illusion of gaia and uh, it's really interesting because i think this game is a big step up from that first one um, obviously these are all kind of disconnected they're not none of them are set in the same world or with the same characters they're all very different in that style but i guess the the through line is they have some similar ideas um, and illusion of gaia kind of follows the format of you are this character who you know goes through various dungeons killing enemies uh, you know solving puzzles that sort of kind of zelda style action um perspective but this one's a lot more story focused so um in the sense that you kind of start off in this small town it's, it feels like very much like a start of a jrpg and you you have like this town to go around and you talk to characters and your, your character called will has this kind of friend group that he hangs out with um and you kind of like chatting with people a lot of it is g- kind of typical jrpg stuff at the beginning and then you're like okay i'm gonna leave town and the expectation usually for an rpg is like you leave town and then you go into the overworld and you explore the overworld until you get to the next town etc but you leave town and it kind of switches to a a um superintendent what was the uh uh the fx chip style thing where you know like in final Monster fantasy seven yeah most seven stuff where you you have like in final fantasy where you're in the airship and you kind of go around mm. the overworld it just kind of switches that that perspective and then it shows like a mini cutscene almost of your characters just like walking to the next place and then you just arrive and you're there so it, it it feels like they kind of almost cut out the middle part like where you go and do exploration in the overworld and you just kind of like oh you're just at the next place um and the weird thing about this world is it this it's kind of this weird mix of fantasy and reality where you're visiting locations locations like you go to the incan ruins and you go to uh, the great wall of china uh and anchor Wat and like these historical like earth settings but the world itself is not set up like earth at all there's a city you go to that's just called euro and it's like is this is this supposed to be some kind of like amalgamation of europe in one city it's a really weird thing and the the world map doesn't look anything like earth at all and it's uh yeah it's strange how they kind of like blend these actual because re- like the great wall of china is a dungeon like you go across the <laughs> the wall um and you like go into all these places surrounding it um and yeah it's, it's a really interesting way that they set things up um but in terms of the actual combat it is somewhat similar I'll say to Soul Blazer and and the ideas are a little bit similar in that so in that game you had to defeat every enemy in order to progress usually so you'd have to complete um there'd be enemies and there'd be these kind of spawn points these weird spawn points that would keep spawning enemies and you'd have to defeat every enemy from the spawn point the spawn point would disappear and then you would kind of like get the next area opened up to you in this game they have enemies on the screen but when you look at the map the map is kind of like it's all all black and you see these kind of head icons uh like dotted about and that tells you like the location of enemies but it doesn't actually show you the space itself it doesn't it's not like a Zelda dungeon map where it shows you what the actual layout looks like it's just all black and you can just see where the enemies are so you kind of know where to navigate to based on like their direction um, and and it's never it never gets too hard in the navigation stuff like later on in the game they do some some stuff which is a little trickier but i actually found like the later dungeons to be even more interesting just because of the way that um, Um, you kind of interconnect with them and kind of you do really have to like learn where things are and places and uh and you know how to get through all these areas um but by killing all the enemies it's not necessary but what you do gain is additional uh buffs to your character so like you'll get an attack increase or a defense increase and these are permanent as you go through the game so like when your hp increases and you get another little kind of uh zelda heart onto your your uh it is permanent going forward so you start off with like four or five and then by the end of the game just like you know um link to the past you have like 20 because you've got like two full rows at the top so it, it kind of like takes from zelda in that sense um and it does have this one kind of puzzle element that i thought would be used a bit more where if you hold down the shoulder button will does this kind of spin with his uh his banner his baton that like attracts objects or like certain statues towards you so i thought it would be used a lot more in terms of like doing puzzles where you have to move statues onto switches and things like that but you kind of do it at the beginning of the game and then they basically forget about it and what i actually realized at the end of the game i was looking up like a walkthrough afterwards and i was like oh shit um that you can block enemies with that thing and i never used it to block enemies in the whole game so like this entire mechanic that's not really explained that well to you um could have been used to block stuff the whole game i didn't realize and i was like god damn it that's that's really annoying because because there are certain bosses in particular that are super fucking challenging like in a way that is I, like i think the balance of the game difficulty wise is really good and then like some of the bosses will come in and be like no actually this is impossibly hard and, and you're just gonna have to use save states to get through it yeah, jrpg difficulty spike yeah i mean it's it's slightly different in this case because it's more of an action rpg right like with, with with jrpgs it's it's usually the kind of like i don't know boss has like seven final forms and like you have to like manage your mp and fp and all that sort of stuff whereas this is much more like it's dexterity based right so you're dodging out the way like it does feel like link to the past in that way where i know that we definitely had struggles with certain bosses like remember that moth boss in link to the past where like the floor Mm. is moving like uh, an escalator and there are spikes all over the walls like yeah link to the past is hard and and this game kind of mirrors that there's one boss in particular these vampires these dual vampires in the middle of the game who are just like they're assholes they're really hard to kill and the game sets it up so basically there's this other aspect where when will enters a save point um he can then also transform into a different version basically of himself he becomes more powerful he turns into this character called Friedan, and Friedan is this big knight with like long blonde flowing hair and a giant sword and Friedan is just way more powerful than will because you know he's not a child with a stick he's he's a, he's a big knight with a sword so of course he's gonna be more powerful um and so you know when you uh, find him it's always that relief uh you know in, in the middle of a dungeon you're like oh i can transform into this dude now now things are going to be a lot easier because he can hit enemies from a bit further away uh, he can do more damage and generally is a bit more um beefy so he can take hits a bit better um but for this vampire boss the game had set it up so that i was going into the fight as well but i could go back it was just a pain in the ass to go back to the place where i could change back to free Dan. but after a few attempts i was like i just i need to go back and transform because it's just not going to be um you know able, i'm not going to be able to get through it easily otherwise so i did and it made it a lot easier and it was, it was much better but it, that was just one weird kind of like bump in the road when i was playing through the game where i was like well they could have set this up better so that i would have had access to this form as you go through um there's actually a second form that you get access to but you only get access to it in like the last dungeon of the game which is a little bit of a weird thing because it it would have been nice to have it because it it's you kind of transform into this almost ethereal like flame beast enemy who uses a whip and you can melt through the floor like you can kind of like melt into a puddle and that helps you like navigate the final dungeon where you can like, melt past staircases and things into lower areas and um and it, i think it just would have been a nice flavor switch up for earlier in the game because you get free down pretty early so you can transform into the night like i don't know maybe a couple hours in but then the whole rest of the game there's this kind of third statue that you know you're expecting to get and it doesn't happen until right at the end so i think i don't know what happened with the development but it would have been nice if they had kind of paced that out a little better like had that come up a little bit more early uh within the game um but yeah i i do think that it it really does a nice job in terms of like the balance of exploring these spaces and doing the dungeons and having the puzzles um and you know fighting these enemies to get more powerful um and and it was it's cool because each character gets different abilities so even though Freedan is much more powerful there are certain areas he can't access so will for example can slide under small gaps because he's a little kid so he can do the slide move where he can get into areas Friedan just can't access and then will also gets an ability that's this tornado which is really weird to activate where you have to hold down a to start doing a charge attack um, there's also these whole puzzles where like which is interesting where like you go up to a wall and you can get through the wall with a charge attack but it just looks like a regular wall but the way that you tell you can get through it is that there's wind coming through and the wind can be seen by his hair being ruffled so if you see his usually his the characters just kind of standing there it's pretty
1: impressive for a
0: super nintendo it is yeah it's really impressive actually because it's like usually you're just you know in classic zelda games for example you know before they started putting cracks in walls to see what was bombable you just have to bomb things just to see or hit walls to see if you can get through them whereas this kind of adds a little bit of that layer of oh you walk past an area oh his hair starts moving and that kind of indicates oh i can use a charge move to break down this wall but um but then you get this tornado move later where you have to hold down the charge button and then tap the L and R buttons to start twisting, and then hold a directional button to start moving, and this is the only way you get up certain inclines, so there are certain, like, slopes that he can't run up, but you can get up them if you use the tornado, and I had to look up online how to even activate this thing, because when they first say it, they're like, oh yes, use the shoulder buttons to do this thing, I kept pressing the shoulder buttons, and all the shoulder buttons did was my, kind of, block um, uh, telekinesis attack, and i was like what how the fuck and it turns out you have to hold down the button wait for it to fully charge then tap left and right alternatively then press the d had to move and it's just like some of these moves like free Dan gets another one later on which is like it's this kind of move that activates um some souls like spinning around him that kind of does like aoe damage but it lasts for about one and a half seconds and it's a really complicated input to use so it's like why the fuck would i ever use this because it barely lasts any time and it's really hard to pull off and it's just like i don't know some some of the upgrades i think could have been better thought out um just with the way that they i I just never felt the need to use them they're either too cumbersome to use or just like not necessary basically so yeah but but generally i did really enjoy all of the dungeon stuff and a lot of this game is that right the the characterization stuff and the world stuff is just a bit weird and very reminiscent of what you would expect from a super nintendo era game right where the localization is just a little iffy um and characters talk in a way that doesn't sound like full english like it's broken in ways like they use words that aren't really the right ones you should be using in that context there's a lot of non-sequiturs and um i don't know it's there there are some cool scenes right like there's there's points but it's also like really weird it's like oh okay then suddenly you're in this cave and um anyway uh you all you can eat is mushrooms and you kind of go around and talk to all your characters and then you just like stand there for a bit and then it like fades to black and it's like and they were there for one month and they had to live off mushrooms anyway now they left the cave and they found the top of the dungeon and now they're out onto an island And it's like okay i guess like we just needed to get from location to location right and we're using these weird like incan ruins and great wall of china all these places there's a sky dungeon where you're actually you go to the um what are those in the sand right like the ancient i can't remember what um race of people it was but there are those kind of like big drawings in the sand that people could see from like the sky above uh um, Um, Uh and like you go to that area and then above it is this entire sky dungeon anyway lots of real world tie-ins and stuff going on there but um but yeah there's stuff like you are uh, suddenly stuck on uh, in the middle of the sea on a raft and it's you and the princess character the the first kind of location you go to is a castle and you meet this princess character and she has a pet pig and all this stuff and um, she comes with you on your adventure because why not because everyone's just coming on an adventure for no good reason Um, and sometimes like will's friends one of his friends just like disappears early on and is never heard from again And the game never addresses it really um and and then like they're kind of on this raft it's just him and kara who's the princess and she's like Hmm, i i'm in love with you now and he's like hmm, yes i think i also am and there's no reason for this at all it's not set up in any way they're just like okay anyway now they're in love the same thing happens with one of will's friends i think called eric and like there's this other fairy character who turns into like a um oh what's what's the when you blow a um uh not a daffodil what's the what's the uh the uh plant where you blow it and all the little things come out of it you know what i'm talking about
1: oh like uh I can say a dandelion. Dandelion. I,
0: I dandelion. dandelion yes. is
1: the yellow one. I think with what are we, yeah, maybe it is a dandelion. I think
0: dandelions. Although you know, when you're a kid, you blow a dandelion, yeah. all the little little yeah. bits of the dandelion go. So one of these characters turns into one of those little bits from a dandelion. She's like a magical character. That's never explained no, either. Okay. Anyway, w- Will's friend just suddenly uh, falls in love with her, and and you know that just becomes a thing. It's it's super like <laughs> it's super weird. There's also stuff about like slave labor and and stuff where they try and like feels like they're trying to say something where there's this character neil who just wears a hoodie the whole time but he's also an inventor and he invents a plane so that they can fly to the sky dungeon um and then you eventually end up in his hometown which i think that's euro is his hometown and his parents are there and apparently his parents run this company um and this company is just never really clear what the company does but the company is called rolex with a k and it feels like it's like trying to be rolex like the watchmakers (laughs) um but it's talking about how they just use slave labor but it's not actually clear what the company does all they Mm. have is slaves doing stuff but it's not clear what like the point of the company is and then you know you're in this house with him and you're like okay i'm just gonna go off to this random place and you suddenly end up in this place with mushrooms and like branches And it's like this whole weird forest place. And you go and find a magical teapot. And you bring the teapot back and you give it to his mum. And both of his parents just then turn into ghosts and then he's like oh now i realize how much i miss my parents and i'm gonna become the next ceo of the company like it's just, it's just like none of this makes any fucking sense at all it is such a lunacy and like it's clearly i think that there was a through line here in the japanese but i think that at the time the localization just really didn't know what to do with it so it just ends up in this kind of weird like magical adventure that doesn't make a lot of sense um but Overall, I will say that as a whole package, uh, in terms of like location variety and the way the mechanics come together, I think this is a much better game than Soulblazer overall. Much more interesting, um, a much stronger sense of place and world and everything. and um, And I really enjoyed it. You know, like it took me a while. I was playing it handheld as well and uh, playing it on the train here and there. It was one of those games where I did kind of want to uh you know get to a dungeon and then on the train i could play the dungeon because there's no story stuff or dialogue to read while you're doing that stuff so it breaks it up quite nicely where when i'm at home like i just go through all the story the town stuff and then when i'm on the train play through the dungeon stuff it was uh, a nice balance to strike and um and yeah i'm very very glad to have played it and, and now i'm set up to play terranigma which is by all accounts the best one and also one of the best super nintendo games uh that a lot of people have said so that is uh that kind of been my goal all along is like Enigma is really the game I wanted to play but I was really interested in the history of Quintet and, and how they got to this point and it's really interesting to see how they went from Soul Blazer into Illusion of Gaia and now I'm thinking that like they're going to take all the lessons learned go into Enigma, and this is where they get kind of get their magnum opus okay. and the like, stories the don't link no they're they're all like separate okay. worlds and everything right. so so yeah Terranigma i think is also very different and a uh, separate mm-hmm. universe and also probably the longest one so um yeah i'll probably take a little bit of a break uh, but i will come back and eventually play illusion uh, sorry Terranigma, having now finished illusion of gaia but yeah right. h- highly recommend people uh, check this uh trilogy out i really think that they should do a re-release on switch um i feel like it's going to be that's none of them are on switch online right no none of them are on switch online none of them i think were on virtual console either or maybe a couple of them were but- and none of them were also on the snes classic no uh, but the fascinating thing is like terra only ever came out in the uk it never came out in america um well it came out in europe basically terra wow. only was released in the in europe never in in the united states so it's one of those rare cases where like we never got final fantasy 6 or uh chrono trigger over here but we got Terranigma for some reason uh, and that's fascinating but um uh, anyway there you go that's my uh super nintendo uh classic rpg niche corner bally back to you for some real right. video games in the present day uh this is this isn't actually a video game this is a, an, a switch accessory um so
1: it was my birthday very recently and caroline i asked for this from caroline she thought it was a great idea for a birthday present so she bought me a fixture s1 so for those who don't know what a fixture s1 is it's a it's basically a chunk of plastic that links your physically links your pro switch pro controller to the switch screen um, and the advantage of this are there's a number of reasons this is this is an advantage first advantage uh it it means that you can use your pro controller on the go with your switch screen um, and it feels a lot more comfortable than holding the switch like i I personally think the switch is a it's a fairly comfortable system, but I think if you're playing like an action-driven game for long periods of time, I don't think it's the most comfortable system. I think the Pro controller is much more comfortable. So you gain the benefit of being able to use the Pro controller while you're on the go.
0: I think it also depends on hand size as well cuz yeah. I know that you love the PS5 controller, for me it's a bit too big, and so right. I think generally cuz you have larger hands, you you find Switch in handheld probably a bit less comfortable yeah. than yeah. For a lot of people.
1: But I guess the other bonus of this, annoyingly, is that like um, it it means that you're reducing your chance of Joy-Con drift by not using your Joy-Cons, because you're forcing <laughs> yourself to use your Pro Controller.
0: Oh, uh, yes. Get over that problem by not using the thing, you know? Thanks, Nintendo.
1: Now, when I found out about the Fixture S1, my immediate concern was, if it's designed to be on the go, it's basically turning your Switch into something that's a lot less portable and a lot less yeah. sleek in design. Um so I was worried that like, where would I stick this thing even if I did bring it with me and I'd only want to use it when I'm playing portable because I don't I tend to play switch on my tv when I'm at home so uh that's the great thing is that this fixture s1 also comes with a carrying case now the carrying case basically has like it has indents for your pro controller and then the whole screen you can basically fold the thing flat where you've got the the pro controller and then the fixed dress one in between folded flat with the screen attached. Uh, And then the whole thing goes into like this protected zip up case. Like it's one of those reinforced kind of cases. And I'm not, I don't think it's a sleek, it's not sleek. It's not thin, but it's, it is all contained and you can just chuck that into like a suitcase or your rucksack. And it is all in one thing and you can immediately unzip it and get it out. And it's ready to go all pre, all pre attached. So like, I think it's actually, it's not as portable as a Switch, but I think to get that like comfortable playing on the go with a Pro Controller, I think it's absolutely awesome. And I should also say that it connects to the Switch at the on the the points at which the Joy-Con would attach, so on the sides of the Switch and that means that all the ports all the the like fan and all the airflow is completely exposed so you can you can connect anything whether it's headphones a charger like for example if i was on like an eight hour flight or something i would bring my um anchor uh like chargeable dock and that could still plug in while i'm playing with using the fixture s1 like that that port isn't covered up in any way whatsoever so it's it's really well designed in that sense and it actually feels really comfortable it is quite heavy because you are attaching a pro controller to your switch screen but you are able to adjust the screen in a way where you can make sure that the force is at like its optimal angle as it were where you if your if your wrists are feeling it too much in this angle you can adjust it so that it's going more like kind of down into your body say if you've got it like sitting on your lap and I've not used it for more than like 20 minutes half an hour just at home but I am going on a trip to like Loch Lomond at the start of June so I'm really looking forward to like trying it out and you know playing on the go because I think it's a really really great bit of kit that just kind of makes gaming on the go and it, it, it just looks like it makes you look like a bit like a gaming pro in my opinion like it makes you look <laughs> a bit like right this is how you properly pay, play a switch when you're on the go so I'm I'm looking forward to properly trying it out i should also say the fixture s2 i believe came is coming out or has come out this summer um and i'm not entirely sure what the differences are or whether it's just like a very minor update but uh that's that's also out
0: i think maybe that one was specifically for the oled because i know the oled has slightly different dimensions so maybe that's what it is Um, yeah that would make sense um but uh yeah this this thing uh, seems really cool it actually it makes me want to get that thing where you know like people are in bed and they have a thing that like attaches the switch to like this kind of hovering right, yeah. almost overhang where you can lie down in bed and have the switch kind of like on top of you as you play like lying down um that is kind of what it makes me think about um but uh, but yeah i'm sure it's, this will be it's very good. cool
1: yeah definitely it's good for bedtime switch playing although
0: yeah since like ballet junior's been born like we've
1: not had any time like just chilling in bed like it's just that Time is completely evaporated. So, like, I, yeah, I spend like five minutes just waking up and then getting up. So, I'm not, I'm not able to play Switch for a long periods of time in bed, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, those, those days are not, not with me at the moment. But yeah,
0: that's all right. Uh, they'll come back at some point, I'm sure. Um, but uh, Bali, you've been playing something else that is uh, hopefully going to come to Switch that uh, I talked about yeah. uh, on a show when you were away. But uh, since then, you have been diving deep into Tunic. Yes. So. Uh, yeah this has been fun because you've basically been like texting me updates every time you play this game and it's one of those games where you kind of like have to do that in a way but also like i think it's a fun way to play the game because it's it is full of secrets right as we talked about like it is a game that is rich with like it doesn't tell you what to do really and you just kind of have to yeah. figure shit out so
1: it's yeah. it's full of secrets at every level and i love that about it where you know, when the game starts, you're expecting like this kind of cutscene, and you're going to be this fox, and this is your journey, and the first point you have to go to is here, and it's not like that at all. It's very much just go and do your thing, go explore, go go do your do whatever, and you're like, right, okay, I have absolutely no idea where I'm going. I'm just gonna run around this overworld and okay i picked up a page in this book oh it's mentioning something about like an eastern forest i guess that's off to the east i'll go east oh it's it's got like this sign saying like the sword is here so i guess that might be a sword. and it's, it's just kind of like that's a very obvious simple puzzle and that, that represents like the opening of the game but then it just kind of ramps up from there where you're unlocking parts of this guidebook that I mean it's more an instruction manual than it is a guide mm-hmm. because it's very much an instruction manual and the instruction manual has a ton of information at different points and different layers to kind of like work out and a lot of the instruction manuals in a different language so you're forced to kind of like very much reference points and put points together and try try to work out where you're going and how it all connects and that's all separate to the fact that just mechanically and world design, so world design wise, it's such a dense, well designed Zelda world. Like it is, it's not very, it's not a particularly large world, uh, and you definitely find yourself uh, returning to areas frequently because they're because because these areas have so many layers to them. You very much are returning to areas and find oh, there's actually this thing here that links to this that does this, and. As you're piecing it together it's just this incredible level of satisfaction and i'm like i'm very particular when it comes to like my very puzzle focused focused games and for like the main game less so maybe the post game stuff for the main game like this really was exactly my level of kind of like puzzle and working out where to go next and i felt very satisfied and not having to go to a guide at all really and just really working out right the instruction manual suggesting this and working out this and that's even on top of the fact that i think mechanically i don't think the combat is immaculate but i think the combat is very good like i think that it's got like this it's very stamina focused which can be tricky because essentially when you run out of stamina your character takes a hell of a lot of damage so it's about managing that meter so i just think it's got all this like all the puzzles aside i think it's a solid zelda game but when you layer in the instruction manual and the puzzles and the secrets of the world it's an unbelievably impressive it's like one of the most impressive games i've ever played like it's yeah. so incredibly immaculate in the way that it's been designed and no wonder this game took so long to design i know it was yeah. by one guy but like it is so unbelievably carefully crafted that it just feels like an absolute luxury to play and just to poke around and work out where, where are we going, where's next. And there's some really like, it's not got an overt story. It's very much a like piece it together kind of what's going on in this world. And there's some really impressive areas, areas and reveals that I was like, wow, this is this game is really dark, actually. <laughs> like, yeah, a long, for sure. Really like, oh my God, that's what's going on here? Okay, right. And then, and there's just so many like hooks that just really grab you. And I have had such a great time with this game. Um, I'm kind of in the end game. I can take on the final boss. And, and you've told me that if I take on the final boss, I'll reach the bad ending. But likewise, yeah. I can get the bad ending and then continue to play more game to get the good ending, which is what I plan to do. So it's it's a hell of a game i am so glad I'm, I'm playing this game it is i mean i feel like this game was talked about a lot when it came out but i feel like it's dropped off a lot and i really hope more people play this and talk about it because this is like it really is like my jam when it comes to like this type of game it is so impressive
0: yeah and i was i was very impressed as well the level to which you were able to get through a lot of this early game stuff and figure things out like not having to go to a guide because i certainly did for multiple points and there's especially like near the end of the game where things get really convoluted and we we had like a a long call where oh, we, i was yeah. like <laughs> kind of like trying to uh nudge you in the right directions but yeah. also not like overtly say anything and I mean, some of those end game things are really hard to figure out. Yeah, you know, I'll just yeah. be honest about it. Um, but it, I think it's this really fun thing where I want you to have the moment of revelation that I did, and not like give you too much, but like try trying to lean you in the right direction because the big puzzle of that game is one of my favorite things in a game. Like the the moment I figured out what was going on and started to piece it together, I was like, you know, the last six hours, as I've mentioned on the show, like of this game were just. I couldn't think about anything else like i would go to bed like and tunic would be in my dreams and then i'd wake up and be like right end of lunchtime today i need to go do that and then as soon as i finished work i was like okay need to get my piece of paper start scrolling things on here doing all these fucking end game puzzles that are like true nonsense and like everything that was hidden in plain sight across the entire overworld like you had one of those moments where you walked into an area and you looked at something and you were like oh you know like you you, and you're like oh and now you're gonna look at the entire world in that same way Um, and
1: you're almost like the 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 puzzles have a real language to them like it's a real style and you realize oh wait that's kind of what they're going for and like i remember messaging you like i think you do this by doing this and you're like "Mm -hmm, okay right and i'm like oh wow it actually worked yeah those moments there's a very like unique puzzle to video games like, I think this would be very hard to carry out necessarily to like a board game or something else like it's a yeah. very like right how does this represent that and boom here we go okay right and and even on top of all these secrets we've talked about, there's even more secrets. And like this game just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And like, I'm sure this is the sort of game that in like 15 years' time, it'll, someone will be like, I've discovered the, the final tunic secret because there's just so many layers to like what's going on and how.
0: Yeah, I'm waiting for that Jacob Gala video essay on the last true secret in tunic, you know, yes, in 10 exactly. years' time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And,
1: um. you know,. As a secrets game, it's fantastic. As a purely Zelda game, it's it's very, very good. But I think once you layer on those secrets on top of the fact that it's a very strong Zelda game, this is, like, one of the best games in that genre Like I think I've ever yeah. played. Like, it's it's so good. And I think in the same way that people argue breath of the wild revolutionized what 3d zelda could do like i think this is like the answer to like 2d zelda this is like the spiritual successor to kind of a lot of those ideas that the original zelda went for where it is a lot less handholdy and a lot more even the more obscure like i struggle more with the obscure puzzles in zelda than i did with the with some of the obscure stuff in this game weirdly like i kind of just knew where what to do and where to go next not including the end game stuff, because that's much harder, but like the main game stuff, I just kind of got that feel as to what to do and how to do it in this game. You just intuit it almost. Yeah. And I think that is honestly just down to the design. I think it is so cleverly crafted. And, um, you know, it's it's just chef's kiss for like video game design and care put into like this world because it is just so impeccable. And yeah, I... I love the size of the world, how it's dense and it's complicated, but it's manageable. It feels like I still have a reference point in my head for like every single area of that game and vaguely how to navigate your way around it. Because there are some areas I would do before I even got the map. And then I'd come back later with the map and find out more stuff. And it's like that satisfaction is quite rare in games these days. Um, and we've not even like mentioned the sheer awesomeness of the the art style of the instruction book itself just as a piece of art i think it is just a very well designed book and the like the sound design the flipping through pages and stuff like it feels like a real instruction manual like it's just so nicely done Um, but also
0: you can zoom in and see the texture on the pages as well as like the biro pen in which the person who has previously owned this has written into it and it feels like they legit went in there and just drew it on with a pen
1: yeah it's um, it's a really really special game and i think if you're someone who really enjoys 2d zelda and especially the kind of trickier puzzle aspects of 2d zelda like this is maybe the best game in that genre ever and that's awesome to see so yeah i'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to finishing some more of the secrets and i can maybe talk about them vaguely next time i've still got mm-hmm. this final boss to beat my head against and get through but uh yeah, yeah. I, can, I can check in next time but yeah tunic awesome. my goodness what a game
0: fantastic uh well, yeah, let's close things out with one last game uh, that uh, I think has very cool puzzles as well, but maybe doesn't quite stick the landing uh by the end of the game. Uh and that is 2D and Top D. Um and this game is Best Name Ever. It's really cool. Uh it is a the concept behind this was just as soon as I saw it I was like that's an awesome idea for a game. Uh the idea is that you play these two characters and you can actually play in co-op as well. Well, one person plays one character and one person plays the other. Uh, um, and i don't know how that affects like puzzle solving and things like that but um you play as a character who lives in a 2d land which means like mario side scrolling jumping all that sort of stuff and you have a character called top d who lives in a kind of more link to the past zelda style top down uh world where he can move uh all, all across the overworld like in you know m- moving uh you know uh isometrically let's say um and each character has their own abilities. So 2D is able to uh, jump on top of objects uh, and get to places by doing platforming, Whereas Top D is able to move around anywhere. Um, so, you know, when, when 2D is, like, on the ground, he can only jump a certain height. Top D can, like, walk on the ceiling, basically, because he can just... quite difficult to describe in a podcast, he, but just look up a quick yes. trailer and you'll, you'll get it immediately. Exactly, yes. So he's able to kind of walk around the whole space. Uh, and all of these are basically one-screen puzzles where you'll see the screen and you'll have both characters on screen and you can switch between them, basically. So Top D can... For example, here's a great example of a puzzle early on is... Two d needs to get up to the end point where you kind of warp out the level, but it 's high up on a platform, and the only way to get there is this block that he can jump on, but the block isn 't high up high up enough for him to jump off of it to get to the platform. So what you do is you jump onto the platform, you switch to the other character um, and you move the block actually first of all, what you do is you jump onto the block, then you start jumping as as two d and then in the middle of your jump, you switch over and then the other character top d comes picks up that block moves it to underneath where you're gonna land and then you switch back and you land on top of it and it's just such a cool idea of this this kind of like pausing thing where like you'll be mid jump but the other character will be able to pick up an object and put it underneath you so that you can complete that um it's It's an awesome concept, and I think it does it really smartly for the first three worlds or so. So the first three worlds you go through and you'll have lots of different puzzle elements and um, One of my favorite ones is there are these pigs, and the pigs kind of like move back and forth on platforms. But as soon as you switch to top d, they can move anywhere as well, so they just start chasing after him and So An early puzzle with this is that you need to get across to this area, but there's a pig like on a platform, and you're going to die as two d if you go there. So what you do is you switch to top d and you bait the pig so that it's almost over the top of a spike pit, and then you switch back to 2D, and this pig is now in free fall and it just falls onto the spike pit and dies, right? So it's this really clever manipulation of elements in these two dimensions in order to progress and make things happen. Um, and I think for me, this this game kind of really crystallized what works in puzzle games and what doesn't, because I think the, the smartest things that puzzle games can do is once as a player you have figured out what to do, the execution of it shouldn't be the tricky part right like so as soon as you figure out okay i need to do this in order to cause this to happen therefore i can get through this area the execution for me always has to be easy and understandable and not give you any friction and i think that's some times where this game thunder, uh, fumbles is that you get to situations where you kind of have to be precise with the platforming and very specific with the way you move um and and that's where i find it's tricky because you'll know exactly what you have to do but actually executing it becomes the hard part and then when you mess it up you have to reset everything and that's the other aspect of puzzle games i think could be refined like if you if you have a game where there's a lot of setup involved and you need to like do all these certain things the the very feeling of setting all that stuff up taking a long time to do it because it's a puzzle game it's methodical and then messing up one step of it and having to go all the way back to the beginning it's really demoralizing right because you know what to do you've had to spend so much time setting it all up so that going back to the beginning you just have to spend all that time setting up again you know what to do you know how to do this Mm. but if you mess up the execution at the last moment that's where it falters right and that's where it becomes a real frustration and when you get to the fourth world of this game not only does it really ramp up the difficulty of the puzzles in a case of like making it really hard to figure them out but also once you figure them out it's like well this just feels it almost feels like it's not as polished or like i'm not doing this in the exact right way because it almost feels like i'm kind of fudging it to get this thing to happen and it's it's not as as clean or as um you know streamlined as you want like i think of a game like um uh the gardens between or um Gorogoa where both those games i think excel because the input and the way in which you solve puzzles is very simplified, and there's mm. no real execution that is needed. Whereas in a puzzle platformer like this, where they're platforming elements, it's harder to achieve that. And so, even though it is extremely clever, and I think it is so, so good for those first few worlds, when it gets to the end, it just gets a little bit frustrating in a way that I didn't appreciate but what i will say is that the game has a lot of accessibility options which means you can go in there you can change it so that you don't die in one hit which is is the base default is you die in one hit basically with any with any character you can change it to have uh, infinite health you can make it so that when you're playing as 2d you can infinite jump so if you're getting frustrated with a timing based part of a puzzle you can just infinite jump your way up to get something um there's lots of lots of things in there just to make it so that if you want to if you know what to do but it's frustrating to do it you can just kind of bypass it which is really nice but i think like ultimately they should have designed the puzzle a little bit better instead of forcing me to resort to that you know um that's that's kind of where i come down on it Um, but it is nice that it has that option and it means that you can kind of get through it if if you if you have those issues but what i will say is that the ending is really cool and they do something really really cool at the ending so it's worth it to get through it so i wouldn't say like it's the kind of game where you get to world four and then give up because i think it's worth pushing through the really hard puzzles to get to that last section because that last section does an incredibly cool thing and i loved it and i thought it was a great end cap to the whole idea of the game and and what they were building towards um and thought it was really brilliant so yeah it's it's a really unique really just great concept for a puzzle game just really stands out um and i think if they had a bit more time to like think about those end game puzzles because what it feels like is there's this nice ramp up in difficulty and then there's just this huge spike that happens and then the end game happens and the spike kind of disappears and goes down again and um yeah it, it just would have been nice to to see that but i i totally feel like on another go of this uh they can really refine it and make it truly one of the best puzzle games because honestly those first three worlds i was smitten with this i was like Bally, you gotta buy this, this is like this is an excellent like one of the best puzzle games mm. i've played in a long time and um yeah it's unfortunate that it kind of like fumbles at the end but um yeah i do still think this is really worth picking up and playing um and you can get it on switch uh, i had played it on steam actually got a review code for it um so so yeah uh, uh you should check out 2d and to when did it come out uh it came out i think end of last year or um, like maybe a kind of Septemberish, sometime last year uh okay. but it's available on switch now and, and that's a great place to play it. a great platform of course so cool. do give it a go uh, and yeah as bali said look up a video for it because i think that does a better job of illustrating what's going on a lot better than i can in in words on a podcast so there you go all right well that is going to close us out for this part of the show we'll be back after the break to return to the jukebox. See you in a bit. everybody welcome back to the second half of today's show it's time to get musical get jiggy with it uh, with some music in the jukebox segment and i'll get Bali to explain it but before we do that uh, we're not doing emails this week however people did send in a bunch of emails so thanks everybody we actually got a good amount in um, but that doesn't mean that the uh, faucet uh wants to be stopping anytime soon we love to hear from new folks and a bunch of new people wrote in so if you've never written in before uh please go ahead and do so and we'll get to your emails uh eventually at some point quite soon because uh, i'm sure we'll be taking some more but bally where can they send those emails to please send your emails to this nintendo life at gmail.com that is
1: this nintendo at gmail.com we are in need of more
0: of course as always um, but yes thank you to everyone who has written in uh, since our last call um sweet well bally uh, we're gonna be doing the jukebox do you want to explain this for people yeah. who haven't been around for a while and haven't heard us do this before
1: so i have prepared five songs from video games and these are video games that mez has played uh-huh. And all these video games are playable on Nintendo systems. Uh, that's not to say MEZ necessarily played them on Nintendo systems, but they sure, are playable yeah. on Nintendo systems. Um, and MZ has to tell me the game that the song is from. He doesn't have to tell me the name of the song, but that's nope. extra knowledge. If he wants to show that off, go for it. Um, and then, yeah, last time we did, so we've done this now 11 times. And last time, the 11th time, you tested me, MBZ, and I got one out of five. Um, oh, we went in brutal. And that was back in episode 192. So it's been 60 weeks, apparently. So wow, a Jesus. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've prepped five songs. And I, we should say that games that have been done in Jukebox are never repeated. So these are five yeah. games that have never been uh, mentioned before in Jukebox. Uh, so yeah. Are we ready right. to begin?
0: I think we are. I think, Bali, without further ado, let's listen to song number one. okay uh so i'm gonna talk you through my emotions um so i i feel like this started out with like kind of heroic kind of like light fairy tale vibes Mm. kind of mock epic almost um and i was like okay this has to be some kind of like zelda adjacent game i was thinking okay could it be hyper light drifter but hyper light drifter is a bit darker in tone doesn't have quite as many of those vibes going on then i thought it's kind of like painterly almost i was like ah i know what this is this is greece and i was i was ready to tell you that's what it is but in the meantime while i was listening i looked up the uh the list of games we used and i realized that you already used grease on me last <laughs> time so now i'm like oh shit okay i need to come up with another oh, okay. uh, option here um because i don't think it's that it does feel like it is a indie game it feels like a switch indie um that has a kind of Uh, kind of whimsy to it almost and i'm trying to think like what has there been that we played that i think is kind of whimsical that has that vibe to it but um i think i think works and the thing that just came to my brain was the wild at heart which is a pikmin style game indie game that's really cool that we played last year um and has that kind of foresty vibe to it like there are moments where it gets dark and and things like that and i can't really remember the music of it that well but that felt to me like the kind of almost light springiness that you get from that type of thing um uh, any other guess? i'm not really sure like there's definitely my, my i really do feel like this is a switch indie that's kind of what my my gut feeling is um so i'm just gonna say it i'm gonna go ahead and say that this is the world at heart and it might be wrong but i'm just gonna throw it out as a guess Okay, is that your final answer? Yes, it's my final answer. That is incorrect.
1: Damn it. I like your logic. Okay. Um, this is Spiritfarer.
0: Oh, of course it is. Uh, yes. It's the thunder oh.
1: harvest. So... Yeah. Yeah, when... So you, like, harvest thunder in that game, and it's, like, its own little mini game. and the minigame's fine, like, you're platforming around, but I think the best part of the minigame is this song, where it's just, like, this thematic and the lightning storm comes, and the rain, and... It,
0: I think the fact that there wasn't any lightning sound, that would have go- uh, obviously given it to me. But I think yeah. if I'd heard that, that would have really sent yeah. me in, like, because when you hear this song, that is very clearly, like, alongside it is that noise, you know? Yeah.
1: Spiritfarer just has an unbelievably good soundtrack. I think it is something not talked about enough, is just the strength of indie soundtracks, especially in, like, the last seven years. It is just phenomenal, some of the songs in these games. And I thought Spiritfarer was just. An incredible game, but reinforced by an incredible soundtrack.
0: Yeah, there's definitely songs from it that I think are very memorable. I wouldn't say this is one that I would immediately. Obviously, I didn't identify it, so that's clearly the case. But um, there's a lot because you are spending so much time on the boat, just going between places. There's a lot of like kind of low vibesy, kind of like chill style music going on often, um, and it's really great for the feel of the game. But I wouldn't say like I would listen to it outside unless i was like you know writing or something or wanted something in the background that was chill and calming i wouldn't say it's like identifiable um as much so as as some other things out there but i think the uh the style is actually quite recognizable as soon as you said it i was like ah of course that's the real style of most of this soundtrack Um, in
1: that game like a lot yes you really notice it
0: yeah i mean i was along the similar lines with the switch indie and that was correct uh it was just
1: i think wild at heart was a very good guess actually yes i think yeah definitely a lot of flute in that game as well
0: there's a lot of kind of similar vibes going on there Mm. as well um you know i think both games deal with dark topics and dark subjects obviously um and there are kind of moments of melancholy there but this one is more like not completely heroic but like has that kind of optimistic bent to it you know like Mm. you're achieving something and um yeah i uh i I mean i adore spirit i do think it has a a really great soundtrack um but it's a good pick because it's not one that i would instantly recognize but as soon as you say it i'm like ah yes yeah that that makes a lot of sense and um yeah i believe uh they added a bunch of stuff to that game didn't they they did some dlc Mm. like characters and things so uh it might be one to go back to DLC on game pass i don't i think it might be actually because it's free i believe Ah, it was all free dlc so it's free update so
1: cool mbz Are you ready for song number two?
0: Let's do it. Right, that's uh four oh, that's hard, that's really tricky um i I don't have an immediate one that has come to mind, but let's talk through it. so we've got some uh some kind of like rock vibes here, um there's like kind of a little bit of metal in there, like it feels like something kind of Mega Man esque adjacent like i could see it being a kind of side-scrolling platformer um that that has that kind of vibe to it but something more modern than that um that kind of fits that that mode the other thing that came to mind for some reason was like exploring a dungeon in a persona game like that kind of almost you wouldn't expect it to be there but that's the kind of music that's there so i'm thinking along the lines of like either some kind of rpg dungeon crawly thing or some side-scrolling action game um and it it has like a almost background there's i i would maybe lean on the lines of something like a xenoblade if i didn't know those soundtracks so well and i'm pretty certain that doesn't appear in either of them unless it's like one of the mcconish songs but also i'm pretty sure i will have done xenoblade uh as a part of this before so i don't think that will come into it um that's probably Just a safe looking bet. at
1: the document xenoblade chronicles is the other yeah so you
0: know you could you could have chosen xenoblade too but i know that generally you don't choose things you haven't played um that's not a hard and fast rule um but uh yeah, I don't think there's anything adjacent there. I think there's RPG is definitely like potential here. Um, there's, I guess, like something like Shimogami um the Tokyo Mirage Sessions game, like almost maybe has that feel to it. Maybe that's the vibe I'm getting because like going through a dungeon like that. But I don't know if you choose that. I don't know. It's it's really hard one. This is very, very difficult. Um, I, um, I'm stretching. Do you want any thinking. clues? Yeah, if you want to give me a clue that doesn't ruin it or spoil it, or just hints me in a direction, that would be good. I've not played this game okay all right well okay that makes things a little bit easier then because because i can branch out into um those directions i maybe i'm just going to go with it because i think that's kind of what my gut was telling me when i was imagining this it kind of gave me the sense of going around a dungeon and i think that being not many persona things on switch or on uh nintendo platforms generally i'm gonna say tokyo moro session shop fe is the answer Ali. am i right is that your final answer lock it in
1: baby that is incorrect Ah, oh. it is astral chain shit um, oh that was the other one i yeah so it's maison forest midnight combat phase so like i checked a lot of these songs and a lot of them just sounded much of a muchness to me and i thought if he's gonna get this he's gonna get it based on like the style of this music because a lot of these songs it's a real metal electronic but like synthesized i don't know what other words to use to describe it but like quite rhythmical as well like it's yeah they sounded very similar and you're right i thought you would guess like Xenoblade, but I thought, no. Zen knows his Xenoblade too well, so he'll know yes. that this isn't Xenoblade, and then he'll uh-huh. go for Astral Chain, but then you started throwing in those other games, so I thought, oh, well, maybe he's a bit off, but...
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's adjacent, you know? I think yeah. that there is a... there's a, You can draw a line between Astral Chain and uh, Shin Megami Crossed Fire Emblem, otherwise known as Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. Thanks, <laughs> Nintendo, for that name. Um, but yeah, Astral Chain is a great game, actually. It's one that I think I often forget about, that's on Switch, that a lot of people... Uh, um you know not that many people played but i i do think doesn't get recommended as much you know when you think about new people buying switch there's not many people out there shouting about astral chain and honestly like one of the great things about this game is how good it looks uh just generally on the system but also how good it looks handheld i have really good memories of playing this on the plane over to america when we went to ali wedding and uh you know having my power uh, bank plugged in and just playing with the pro controller fixer s1 would have been good for that uh, oh, flight yeah. for certain um but yeah i i really enjoyed this game and think it has a lot of cool elements to it um like just the world and the setting and the character design did all that did it sort sell of stuff.
1: okay will it ever get a sequel
0: i think it did all right and i think it was almost like when they revealed bayonetta 3 gameplay for the first time a lot of people were like oh, oh yeah, is it astral yeah. chain because they throw in the character there the mascot character the uh, lappy who's the dog the police dog um and that character is in bayonetta 3's uh kind of teaser and as a result it's such a it's, well i a mean there's platinum thing. right so they made you know they're just trying to troll people mm-hmm. i guess with the reveal um but i i think the fact that lappy made it into bayonetta 3's teaser it maybe hints the fact that they right. will do a second yeah. astral chain yeah. you know um i think it's definitely they possible just have the asset lying around
1: let's throw it in there It'll be fun. yeah Find you know it
0: just it's a fun nod to people yeah. who have played both games and also confusing them because they're trying to build suspense and tension with what the reveal is and i think it worked really well so um yeah this game has a really cool mechanic where you have these kind of these monsters that chain to you and you end up basically using them to kind of ensnare other enemies so you can like wrap your chain around other enemies and do damage to them that way and um really cool like second control stuff where you're holding down the other stick to kind of move them around the arena and uh yeah it works really nicely in concept and in practice um and the action's really good and i will say the music is is probably more of a background thing like uh, as i kind of think back on uh you know what we just listened to It very much is that kind of mechanical, uh, rhythmical, like, city futuristic city vibe you know mm. um so it kind of it definitely fits with the tone of the game that is going for and is is not like standout. i would say like the biggest standout song for me was the one they used in the trailer like that's a great great song and uh was kind of tricked me into actually thinking it was xenoblade the first time we saw astral chain because of the music and because of the designs and stuff like that there is it's interesting like you you thought i would think xenoblade because there is like a weird mm. tie-in to the first time i saw astral chain i thought it could be. A monolith soft project so um yeah uh, definitely a, a good pick there a uh, really good game i yeah uh, I, I, I don't know if you'd love it but i think it's one that i think people should well, i'm gonna play check out. two this year and yeah, if i love that yeah. and i'm like
1: dying for some more I might might yes. give it a
0: go yeah I, I think i have it physical as well so i could probably oh, end it this you. so Sweet. yeah anyway Astral chain great choice Bally. uh let's do song number three <laughs> As soon as this started playing i'm like i i know i've heard this this is like been in my brain i have heard this uh, i definitely have to know what this is and then it was the struggle of like what the fuck is it what is it that's some swearing during the oh song. my god i uh i think and i don't want to see if i say this and i get it wrong i'm going to feel bad because i think i'm pretty sure what it is i'm not 100 certain because i think there are more identifiable songs in this game that i would get but also if it is then i'm pretty certain what it is so i'm just gonna say i think this is eastwood i'm pretty sure it's eastwood i'm like 95 percent sure and if i'm wrong i'm gonna get very annoyed because i know i've heard this and i know (laughs) this sounds so fucking familiar so i'm just gonna go and i'm gonna say it's eastwood and please don't be wrong eastwood final answer
1: yes that is incorrect. Fuck! Um, I knew it. I oh. I think your Eastward guest is actually fascinating because it combines like that guitar with the synth, and you're right, Eastward does that a ton.
0: I've heard this so recently. Give, this... me, give me a second. Can I? Can I oh my okay. god! I feel. Oh man! I'm not gonna you get keep keep a point. Going. I'm yeah. not gonna get a point. But there is, I definitely have heard this. I, I feel like that was the bad guess because it's. I feel like I've heard this a lot more recently than eastward It feels like something that's come out within the last. Yeah, so it came months. out the same year as eastward Oh, same year. Okay. Which um, was last year. Oh man, yeah. So definitely an, a Switch indie game um that has like similar vibes, but not exactly the same. Um, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> fuck. I'm gonna kick myself, aren't I? As soon as like, as soon as you say it, I'm gonna be like, I knew it. I knew that's what it was. Uh, it's
1: also the main theme to this game.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, Bally, I don't, I don't think, um, am um, I have a guess, I know it's, I, I'm gonna know it as soon as you say it to me, but tell me what the fucking game is. It's unpacking. Oh, of course it is, Yeah 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 yeah. of course it is yeah. god damn it i was actually trying to listen to the eastwood soundtrack while i was listening to that to see and i was getting more and more unsure as i went through because none of these none of the songs were that song and um so that's why i, I was yeah but yeah <laughs> unpacking it's got a very chill soundtrack chill vibes but actually it is a similar vibe to eastwood in terms of its sound so i get why i would mix it up yeah but,
1: um, yeah I, I hadn't even put those two together but then when you get as eastwood i was like wow yeah this. does sound like eastward but
0: it does yeah out of context it certainly does but um i think the other thing about eastward is like i do know that soundtrack very distinctively Mm. so it was the best it was the best guess i i had and i think like it just didn't didn't quite last
1: one of those games where because there are so few areas i don't actually think the game has an insane number of different songs so the songs that are in the game i feel like we know quite well because i
0: think i know that soundtrack pretty well so i probably shouldn't have guessed it but i couldn't think of anything else so um whereas unpacking
1: like other than the main theme i really wasn't getting any of the other songs but i thought right that main theme is very clear because i think the main theme just plays through it plays during the opening title sequence but then it also plays through like i believe the first level like it just keeps going Um, yeah
0: yeah cool continues on yeah unpacking definitely a game that i would say a lot of its vibes can come from the music when you're kind of moving things about i guess a lot of its kind of memorability for me comes from the sound design as well and the sound Mm -hmm. effects of putting things in drawers and opening things up and having the door close on a drawer that's not fully shut and then it bumps against it you know all that sort of stuff that uh sticks with me and uh yeah i don't know is i get there must be music that happens in the main levels as you play them yeah yeah i guess i don't have as strong a memory of those Um, um
1: there is i don't think that music is overly memorable i think that so that's why i went for the main theme i
0: thought it was yes a way of picking unpacking while going for something slightly easier but i think all those tracks are a bit more sparse you know like they have a bit more empty space in them so that you can have that kind of uh, more laid back chilled vibes to it and uh yeah it's a a good pick i i like unpacking a great deal and uh, i'm now uh, ashamed because i messed it up so anyway what are you gonna do um cool should we move on to number four let's go for number four Very piano-focused, had a very gothic-y vibe to it, but not overly gothic, you know, there was a bit of optimism in there, um, and... I would say the first thing that came to my mind was something Castlevania adjacent and so thinking of like a more modern game that is that is Bloodstained so I think that's kind of where my mind has just gone to initially the only thing is I don't know if I recognize that as Bloodstained music cuz I think a lot of Bloodstained music from my recollection is a bit more upbeat a bit more kind of like you know you're you're moving through this space and there's there's kind of dynamism to it and this feels like a bit too laid back many maybe for that unless there's a specific area you go through that plays this there's almost like a kind of narrative to this song that makes me feel like it's not going to be that but i don't really have another guess that kind of works on that same level um have you played this game is this one that you? i have played? played this game okay so you have played bloodstain so that i kind think of your like...
1: theory on the narrative thing is is warm
0: okay in that case, it has to be something that focuses less on kind of action stuff. And I'm going to say it's not Bloodstain in that case. So, what could this be? It's not Bloodstain. Um, okay. Okay. Good. That's good to know. Um,. I I'm just struggling because I think that I don't think that I've really heard this before. I've probably heard it within the game itself, but um is there something that is a bit more narrative that has a bit more of a kind of somber vibe to it? The only thing that's coming to mind right now is if found that we recently played. Um that is quite recent uh, and I I don't recognize that as the style of music from if found. If found has like sl- slightly different vibe to it. This this
1: happens at a narrative moment and when it happens Personally made me feel quite sad. That's like a twist okay. and it makes you go like, Oh god, okay, right. And oh, then boy this song ensues.
0: Oh man, okay. Um I I think it has to be some kind of more modern game in that case. Uh and I I'm just really at a loss to what it could be. I think we've used stuff like Celeste in the past, and I don't think it, it works there. I don't think it fits the style of Lena Rain's music either. Um yeah, this is uh this is this is very tricky um to kind of work my head around. Uh I also want to say this is my favorite song out of these five. Oh, really? Okay. I think I, I really think this is a really good song. That's interesting because I don't I just don't recall that I've ever heard this before. Um so yeah, I uh I, I there's not a lot coming to my brain. I think I would say something like to the moon, but I know that soundtrack too well and you've also not played it yet, so that doesn't quite work. Um think of like emotional moments in games in nintendo games games on nintendo systems it has to be some sort of uh uh indie thing out there i mean i found it an emotional moment you might have just been oh yeah 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 you know how i am (laughs) i just skip uh you know uh text and dialogue all the time within games um so i really don't have much of a clue (laughs) let's pick something out of the bag uh death's door i'm just gonna say that because i know you like that game and this game has really good music but this is quite different from anything in that game and it's usually quite bombastic and i didn't really connect with the story of that game the same way that you did so using that deductive logic i'm gonna say death's door is my guess bali am i right or wrong is that your final answer lock it in baby that is correct fuck yes i can't believe the one that i recognize the least is the one i get right great (laughs) yeah perfect
1: is there's a minor spoilers for death's door if you really do care about the story but i'm sure there's many people who play that game who won't care about the story but uh this is the gray crow so this is a boss fight near the end and it's the crow that's guarding like the final door or whatever and the the crow basically goes mad and turns on you and this is the the song that plays during that boss fight
0: I think because of the intensity of that boss fight, I just the music just washed over me. It is an intense
1: boss fight, but I think what's cool about this boss fight is that music doesn't really sound like a boss fight. That it music, doesn't at all. No, that music sounds like a kind of sad tale about a crow that's kind of gone mad and turned against yeah. you. And I, I think that's what's it's over there. Is there like melancholic just sound? And there are positives because like this crow was an ally of the crow you players or whatever. So you're right it's got that happy and sad but mainly sad kind of sound and just like this crazy nice like just piano all the way up and down it's i i love it i think it's so i
0: think it works really well with the stark black and white of that arena like it is this pure white space with nothing else in it and the, the 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 black kind of like outline of yourself as this tiny crow and the huge enormous one that's attacking you is a um it's very distinctive visually um and i think that's what is most memorable to me about it less so the music i think just because the intensity of the fight um but i think actually thinking about it now like the contrast of that is really nice you know like having such an intense fight with such a melancholic kind of track over the top of it um yeah it's pretty iconic it's, it's it's probably one of the best moments of that game like for me the boss fights were the best part of Death door like yeah. bar none it was really excellent stuff and i think the the music in Death door
1: is actually incredible like i think it's a very yes. impressive soundtrack again there's
0: one song that you could have played that i would have instantly got it which is where you you drop into those areas where avarice yeah
1: i wanted to use that but I was like, that's way too easy then i found this song oh
0: so i would have instantly like i would have got it on note one yeah. you know like hurdle that everyone's doing now which is the audio version of wordle um there are some songs that you like there was um i did it one day and it was rage against the machine uh killing the name and like you get that within the first like instant (laughs) as soon as soon as it's like you just instantly know what it is so like avarice is one of those songs where the like you instantly know it so um yeah death door well there you well this is the thing bali uh this game really just comes down to uh to logic as opposed to raw emotion (laughs) because my emotions have gotten in the way of me getting these right whereas my logic has proved out yeah
1: the hefty few clues in there there we go that's what you need
0: yeah i did i did the clues did help i will say so there you go um cool well let's do the last one let's move on to song number five A much shorter one also i heard in the middle like a little edit there of the beginning yeah it's looped i didn't loop it
1: but the the where i got it off youtube it was
0: yeah the guy was. on youtube did a very bad job I know. <laughs> um you, very clearly you can tell see the seams there but a 20 second loop means that this has to be something like either old or like very old i don't know like <laughs> that, that's a kind of like do they do 20 second loops in games anymore i don't know um it has a kind of a um almost fantasy tint to it to some degree uh it made me think maybe because of rogue legacy 2 is out made me think like rogue legacy 1 maybe is is an option but i think it's too short uh for that the sound quality is decent so like it doesn't necessarily have to be that old either um i i really don't have any guesses here if i'm honest with you i think that this uh is probably something that has to be i'm gonna say it's maybe a bit too advanced for regular game boy so it could be game boy advance potentially or even ds i still think that era had some shorter sound loops going on um and uh yeah there's a lot of like rpgs and kind of action games uh around those systems and, and during that time period i guess like 3s download games is also another option here um maybe something like ever oasis but like i do think that that game has a richer soundtrack uh that that could be expanded on a little bit more um and not necessarily have i'm really caught up on this loop that's the thing like just having it be so short makes for me puts it
1: in i really don't know why it is loop that short to be honest i'm I, I maybe could have done more research and it might be a longer
0: song and that just person just looped it interesting could be wrong yeah it is weird though isn't it like it doesn't really feel like it makes a lot of sense to to loop like that but uh i'm gonna have to say something so i'm just gonna say ever oasis because uh it has a little bit of those vibes to it and it sounds like it could be a 3ds game although it could be a little bit older than that uh that's my throw out guess but it's probably wrong is that your final answer let's just throw it in yeah that's incorrect yeah i thought so
1: um your theory on fantasy was correct okay and this game isn't fantasy, but there's some. There is a level that is fantasy. Okay. And this is
0: a boss fight from that level. Interesting. Uh, I still don't have any guesses, so you can go ahead and reveal it. I guess it's Luigi's Mansion Three. Oh. Yeah. So this is weird.
1: The, one of the early like floors you're on is like this fantasy medieval themed um, floor, and then the boss is called McFrights, King McFrights, and this is. The theme music to that boss battle this was the hardest of the five that's why i put it last like this i think was the toughest because you would associate you know luigi's mansion with like strings and oboe and just kind of like very dark sad kind of tones whereas this is like a more upbeat fantasy theme merged with a more dark tone and it kind of makes you think like what is going on there but yeah it's because it's luigi's mansion 3 and it's melding you know that fantasy theme of that floor with the kind of spooky ghostly vibes of luigi's mansion
0: that is really weird yeah especially with the loop thing going on like i think that's the thing that threw me off of like well it can't be a modern game because that like the 20 second loop is what they did back on the super nintendo so uh (laughs) has to be older. and it it didn't sound like as uh i guess there's instrumentation there but yeah you're, you're right like there is a there's a bit more texture i think to a lot of the other luigi's mansion songs um generally and i think that game has really good music and um generally is a, a a nice soundtrack to go back to and, and listen to but um yeah it's uh i mean that game's just phenomenal it's such a good game the, the more i you know have distance from it the more i'm like this is easily one of the best games on switch um and i think it it's just like next level have uh really ascended with this game and i i'm excited to see what they do with mario strikers but you know that game is is going to be what it is which is a football game that you know they're iterating on and, and i think louise imagine three really allowed them to flex their muscles into a uh, a full-blown uh masterpiece i'm gonna say Um that game so enjoyed it a lot and i think the music is very good but uh yeah that was a hard one that was really difficult so uh if anyone else out there got it then uh congratulations because i certainly uh i was not close to to sniffing that one out um but yeah, there we go. There go. I guess I got one out of five. So. I got one out of five last time, so yeah, yeah. we're all square. <laughs> we're all square. You know, I think unpacking, uh, I'm, I'm kicking myself on. That's that's one that's really. I thought Spirit pharaoh was like.
1: I thought I was a gimme. I thought you'd get that. Yeah, one. yeah. It's it's so hard. Unpacking, uh, I was lukewarm on, and then Astral Chain I had. I had no idea whether you'd get that or not, but I thought you get Spirit pharaoh and I actually thought you'd get Death Story, so you did well on that one. So. Yeah, no, I
0: did get that one after some deductive logic. But uh, yeah, I think this gets harder and harder as we play more and more games. That's the hard thing is like on the like other monitor, I'm like scrolling through my backlog just trying to remember every video game I've played. And it's... I here's think, the thing
1: a lot of these aren't in your backloggery where you'd expect to find them because you play a lot of these games on non tendo
0: systems ex- like, that's why so. i had steam and game pass open and also right. uh <laughs> 3ds and also every other fucking <laughs> platform so yeah i had all the tabs apparently i have beaten 540 games on backloggery wow. so uh yeah what it's do you think i've beaten it all always gets harder and harder i think you're like 300 or something i can't remember i'm on 307 oh wow nice yeah. um yeah so we've played a lot of fucking video games <laughs> uh over the course of this show and our lives so it always gets harder and harder especially when you only have one song to guess it because i think you know with um a show like uh radio trivia that uh nwr does they have three songs for uh for every game as well as a hint question which makes things a lot more uh, uh feasible but obviously we can't do that in, in just one segment of the show so anyway um Thanks, Bally, for that. That was uh, enjoyable. Uh, Challenging, as always, but uh, good fun time. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, I'm sure, circle back around to this in the future where I will uh, have to get my revenge and do uh, some some songs for Bally. So we'll see how it goes. I always like putting, uh, you know, for some fun things some recognizable things in there that are uh a bit easier but also like getting the challenge in there it's, I didn't right... any easy ones <laughs> no you put some some, some ones that i should have gotten but i think it's just like things get really hard at a certain point and it's yeah. you know as we as we continue to use things uh the the amount that we can do gets lower and lower so that's just how it goes but uh anyway that's gonna wrap us up for this part of the show and the show itself in general uh as we talked about at the start you can also send in emails to uh get read right out of the show and answered on the show and Bally will tell you where you can send them please send your emails to this
1: nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com we left out emails this time but we'll definitely get back there next episode
0: yeah absolutely uh, look forward to getting through some of those uh, you could obviously find the show in various places across the internet you could go to places like Stitcher or like a Spotify uh, and go ahead and rate and review us on there thank you everybody for rating us on Spotify we have passed 50 ratings uh, which is awesome 55 star ratings which is uh, a very very cool yes, thing thank you That's awesome. And uh, really appreciate that and even if you don't use Spotify if you uh, you know go over there just listen to a little bit of an episode it will let and you know. the to episode. Like a- minute so if you yeah, put up like with our voice for just a minute yeah it'd be greatly appreciated <laughs> you know which if you listen to the show on a regular basis you're
1: at the end of the show you have probably listened to a minute by now oh so uh, yeah probably yeah i think you so can, probably, you can listen yeah. to one more
0: yeah one more one more uh and help us out there on spotify that'd be very much appreciated so thank you to everyone who has done that uh that is great you can also rate and review us on itunes on apple Podcasts, which is also another viable place for you to go and talk about the show is itunes a thing anymore I, I think you could download the application It's still called itunes right i'm pretty sure you can uh, but it's called they,
1: is it i think it's called is um, it just apple
0: music now it's called music
1: and podcasts they split them into two about three or four years ago i believe so. but like when
0: you download the program onto your computer it still says itunes right no it says music really yeah oh boy but i mean I, I haven't i haven't had itunes downloaded for a few years now so i wouldn't know but yeah damn, that's crazy because
1: they want because i've got three apps next to each other and they're music podcasts and tv and before wow. they were all part of one thing so i guess it launched when apple tv launched i guess they split them all and wanted it to all be separate so yeah well
0: i guess we should never use the word itunes ever again yeah. i guess and then they're, they're packing in uh the, the
1: can't remember what it's called the ipod <laughs> They're rolling up, rolling in, rolling in, rolling out, rolling up, packing in the iPod.
0: Yeah. Uh, So... Anyway, uh, you can find us in lots of places. Just uh, just look for this Nintendo Life. We're there. We're on YouTube. You can find us there. Links in the description for that, of course. And also our Discord server, which is a lovely, friendly place where people go and hang out and chat about various video game things. So go ahead and join the community over there and start chatting to folks. Uh, that's a, a good fun time. And uh, yeah, you can find us on the internet in various places such as Twitter.com, where we continue to spend a lot of time uh, talking and listening and all those sort of things. You can find the podcast where at TNL Podcast. You can find me at lord nbz where can they find you bally
1: i'm on twitter at ballyman 91 that's B A L L 91 9 one
0: fantastic stuff uh and i think that's pretty much it uh thanks patrons to, the to thank oh shit that's correct <laughs> hi uh, people people pay us money. Uh, we, we shouldn't forget about it. Uh, I certainly didn't. Of course, I was just going to roll into it, you know. Um, so you can, you can obviously support the show on patreon.com slash Life. It's a great place to go. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I am. I think you know, the thing is, about it, I need to end the show because my nose is just running with hay fever. <laughs> if you haven't noticed at the end segment, I probably sound a bit bugged up. This entire segment, my nose has been fucking running down my face. You can
1: tell the time of year that our podcast comes out based on how MBZ sounds. And exactly. All hay fever related it's
0: a fucking heavier decided today is the best day to ruin my nose so that's what's happening
1: but anyway i would like to say thank you to our patrons especially to our ten dollar tier patrons they are zach s atari alex thomas matthew and albert thank you all for your support uh we just put out an episode last week on called this non-tender life and i gave my final thoughts on my 71 hours of horizon forbidden west and yeah spoilers i like that game a lot so go check out my thoughts on that there
0: yeah go listen over there you can obviously support the show at very different tiers and levels and you can find it at patreon.com slash this nintendo live so if you like us and want to hear more of us then you can go over there uh that Bali i think does it right <laughs> Did, to, to, to tell me so. anything else I I i've missed so. uh, uh that's fine it's all good uh, fantastic well we'll be back in a couple of weeks time to talk more about nintendo and uh probably the impending potential announcement of something they're going to do i think
1: between now and next show i'm
0: confident nintendo will outline their summer plans i hope so i hope so Uh, i hope that we get something around that period because it wouldn't feel the same without it so i'm looking forward fingers crossed and we'll be there soon thanks everyone for listening we'll see you next time until then bye bye folks The musical interlude used on today's show was Freya City from Illusion of Gaia. Copyright Quintet, 1993.